Okay, just coming up on 34 past the hour as we are back on a Monday afternoon. I'm Jeff MacArthur, the Prime Minister, the Premier. They are in Windsor at this hour. We're expecting what is being described as a, quote, significant Stellantis announcement. Now, if you recall, it was back in March that uh, Stellantis officials from the company announced a close to $5 billion joint venture project for uh, EV batteries, a battery plant for uh, southwestern Ontario. So uh, perhaps uh, something else it sounds like is uh, coming in regards to that. We are keeping an eye on it. We will bring you the very latest. I certainly have an update, I would think, with the news at the top of the hour as soon as we hear Justin Trudeau, Doug Ford, and others speak. In the meantime, let's welcome in award-winning automotive journalist Lorraine Sommerfeld, who joins us once again here on the program. Hey there, Lorraine. Good afternoon. How you doing, Jeff? I'm well, thanks. I uh, wanted to talk to you about a couple of things, and let's start with uh, wait times when it comes to a new car. You and I have spoken uh, recently, of course, about uh, just how in demand not only new vehicles are, but uh, used vehicles as well. But if you are looking to buy a new car, here we are, just the beginning of uh, May. We're hearing that uh, your wait for one could stretch into uh, next year. Oh, yeah. Now, I wrote a few weeks ago that we have to put down the crystal balls and stop predicting when the wait's going to be over, because since 2020, people have been asking, you know, anyone in the industry. And the fact is, we don't know. And now it's, you know, we keep saying next quarter, next quarter. No, it's like you just said, we're looking into 2023. So you can order a car, but what's difficult is they might say three or four months, so they might throw their hands up and say, we don't know. So if you really need it, you could be on the hook. Yeah, I don't know about buying a uh, 2022 model and getting it to mid-2023. I don't know if that's uh, going to satisfy a lot of new car buyers. Some some lines are truncating their 2022 lineups, like they're just moving into 2023, like they're making the call as they go. The other thing I'd like to tell listeners, though, is because of the chip shortage, a lot of manufacturers are just kind of opting out of some features to um, cut down the number of chips that they have to put into a car. So there might be some features that you think you're getting or that are advertised on that model that you might not be. And they're not going to be things that impact the safety and security and stuff of the car, but make sure to ask if there's anything that is missing or will not be working as a result of skipping some of the chips. Wow, that's interesting. Like, are we going back to crank windows? Well, BMW <laughs> went back to analog uh, readouts and stuff instead of digital stuff. So they were changing things like that. And Ford and some of their big pickups, they took away the uh, shutting down a cylinder for fuel efficiency, um, stuff like that. Sometimes it's the baseboards that kick out in a big truck to get up into them. So it's tweaking here and there on little things, but it might matter to you a lot. You might never notice it. You don't have it, but there are things that it might. So just be sure to ask, is there anything missing on this model that is advertised as being there? Wow, that is interesting. So all of this, uh, what we're talking about, waiting for a new car into 2023, this still traces back to the chip shortage and supply chain issues? Absolutely. And it's global. So it's not just here and it's on things like rubber as well and some steels. Like it's not just, you know, the microchips, but that is definitely the thing that is um, the superconductor chips is definitely the biggest problem. 
All right. I want to ask you, too, I was reading over the weekend that the uh, first uh, Lightning F-150 uh, EV pickup trucks are being delivered by Ford to uh, customers, and customers are being asked to uh, sign some sort of waiver in which they will not sell the vehicle for yeah. the first year. Have you heard of something like this before? That's more common on Ferraris and things of that nature. Like They keep very strict controls over where the vehicles end up is to stop wholesalers, is to stop people flipping them to tweak the market like they have to be careful because if someone is buying it and turning it around and selling it for twice what they paid for it and because we're in a crazy shortage right now that's what's happening and in a lot of ways the car industry is starting to reflect the housing industry and we all know how insane that is so people are looking to make a buck and that's the way ford you know or a manufacturer makes sure they've got some boundaries on it that is really interesting. Is there any precedent for that? I mean, would that hold up in a court of law? Because it seems to me once oh, yeah. I bought the vehicle and purchased it, it's my property to do as I wish, no? Nope. Nope. Like I said, this is an old practice. It's usually on very high-end vehicles who control, you know, like I said, like Ferrari that puts out, you know, a few hundred a year of something, not, you know, mass production. So um, Ford did it with their Shelby a few years ago, and they had that special edition Shelby. And I, who else has done it? Well, they've done it. It's, it's sporadically put on, but I'm not surprised to see them doing it just because of the, the demand for this vehicle is so high. And again, the market is an absolute perfect storm for people taking advantage of people over the price of cars. Joined on the line by Lorraine Sommerfeld. And Lorraine, with this uh, shortage of cars, people having to wait for new cars now, even if you order it today into 2023, it's also had a lot of people talking about uh, the model, if you will, as to how we buy cars, the uh, sales model, and uh, whether or not uh, that is poised to change or, or has to change. Uh, what is your take on that? Because the car buying experience is very unique in a lot of ways is different from any other sort of purchases we uh, make in our lives. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's an awful experience. I don't know anyone who actually enjoys it very much. Um, I have a column running today that dealerships are legally allowed to force you to take their financing. So you can walk in there with cash but, or you, you've arranged your financing or you've saved up money. And this happened to the woman I wrote about in today's column. They had the $17,000 in cash. They went to buy the car. The dealership forced them to take financing. And, and they, they, they forced them, sorry to interrupt, but they forced them because that's a moneymaker for the dealership yeah. if you finance? Yep, yep. They, they make a cut. And some dealerships are incredibly aggressive about this. And it's, I've said to people, when you walk in a dealership, ask them right before you ask anything else, say, do you force financing on people to buy your vehicles? And if they hesitate, <laughs> that's a yes. <laughs> and if they say, yeah, that's a yes. But you want to be clear before you fall in love with something, before you sit down in that little office, that horrible office, which back to your original point, um, we have to get rid of that. Everyone hates going in there. It's like, oh, I've made the deal. I even like the salesperson. Like, it's great. But you dread the next step. Right. And places like Tesla, as the, as the market changes, um, even the online car dealership places where you can buy one, they deliver it to you. You know, you've got 10 days to change your mind or a month to change your mind. We're seeing a shift. And it's going to be in the consumer's best interest because we don't like buying cars this way. We don't want to be bullied and leave their feeling bitter like we got beat up. And unfortunately, that's still part of it. And I spoke to the dealer last week who said what they're trying to do some places is you deal with it. the salesperson that helps you with all the questions and they're the ones that do all the subsequent paperwork as well, like a, a seamless process. 
And I said, that would be far more welcoming to people. They go, yeah, but trying to find people that good at every end of it is the the uphill thing they have. Yeah. So are we seeing is the end of the local dealership? Is it on the horizon? Is it in sight where I, and here's the other strange thing about buying a car, unlike say going to buy a dishwasher or a stove where I can walk into a major uh, retailer and I can see uh, models, uh, several different models from different manufacturers. You know, you have to go to the Ford dealership and then you have to go to the Chevy dealership and on and on. Uh, are we uh, getting to a day where all of that is changing and maybe you're just uh, buying online, which is obviously a kind of the Tesla model? Well, I, I think we're doing a lot of the process online already, the research and stuff. And you'll notice most hubs in big towns, you'll see a whole bunch of dealerships all in a row. Often they're owned by the same owners and mm-hmm. got, you know, all different outlets. So you can actually do it in a day or two if you want to. Um, I suggest people narrow stuff down to three that they want to get into and do test drives people don't skip test drives it's very important so i think um the money back thing that the online places are doing that protects people from oh dear this was a mistake you know i didn't get in it and try it but consumers it's a lot of money and prices are not going to go down they're incredibly high right now we're going to see the market stay really tight and i think consumers need more protection um, the regulators aren't enforcing stuff like this forced financing. It's legal. That's insane. It shouldn't be legal, but it is. And everyone feels blindsided. So if the industry is not going to clean itself up, then consumers will do it for them. Yeah, and we may see more transparency if the model changes. And oh, if yeah. I'm buying online, uh, again, I'll use Tesla as the example here. I go to Tesla and I pick out my model and my paint and my uh, features. Whatever that price is, I know somebody else that went on the website, uh, they're paying the exact same price. And again, there's some transparency and some confidence in that for the consumer. That's People really like Saturn for that. Remember Saturn? The right, yeah. Plate? And that was their whole thing was price is the price and we pay our people a salary. And I know at the time, this was about 25 years ago now, I'm dating myself, but I know a lot of women felt way more comfortable in that environment as well because they tend to still have a bad split with how females are treated, even by other female people because they just sound like men as well. But not all of you, some of you are really great, you know, don't come out of me, but it's still intimidating. And having that taken out of it was very helpful. It's like the price is the price. Everything else I buy, the price is on it. And like I said, we're getting too close to the real estate market, and that is a nightmare. It's it's terrible, and they're you know they're trying not to sell. Manufacturers are telling people don't sell over MRS MSRP, and so the dealers are getting it other ways, forcing financing. You know, you think you need their rust protection? Don't just go to Crown. You know, tire protection? Don't do that either. Like all this extra stuff, and you sit there getting bombarded by it, and it's not fair. It's not nice, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's not a way to make a huge purchase. You should leave feeling great about your new car. All right. We got to leave it there. Uh, Lorraine, really appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much Jeff, for joining us here on this Monday. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Be well. Lorraine Sommerfeld is an award-winning uh, automotive journalist here on the Jeff MacArthur Show. Stay with us. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. 
<laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.